Thanks for joining us and welcome back to the Watchman on the Wall podcast. Periodically, we will bring you true and inspiring angel stories, as well as modern day prophecies that are relevant to us today. When we come back, we'll begin our next episode. At the age of 31, Betty Eady died in a hospital after undergoing surgery. The events that followed have been called the most profound near-death experience ever. Adding to such accounts as George Ritchie's Return from Tomorrow and Dr. Raymond Moody's Life After Life, Betty Eady's experience offers astounding proof of a life after physical death. She saw more perhaps than any other person has seen before and she came back from almost, with an almost photographic view. She was given a message to share with others that has filled hundreds of thousands with hope and renewed desire to love. Embraced by the light recounts the people she met, the truths she learned, and the magnificent realities of the spirit world. Betty's life was changed forever. Her experience was powerful and remains with her every hour of each day. In sharing it, she hopes that it may touch the hearts of others, bringing them closer to the love that awaits us all. In a moment, we'll begin that story. We're back with our story about Betty Eady and her book, Embraced by the Light. Her story starts in November of 1973. She was in the hospital having surgery for a hysterectomy. She was much apprehensive about the surgery and uh, she, she thought a lot about what happened to her when she was only four years old when the same type of thing happened when she was in surgery. At that time, uh, her parents were divorced and her five brothers and sisters were all placed in a Catholic boarding school. And at that time, uh, at four years old, she, she developed whooping cough and double pneumonia and was put in the hospital. And uh, as she was in the hospital, she remembers uh, as she was sleeping, she awoke to the doctor's words. And this comes from her book. The doctor's words said, it's too late, we've lost her. And I felt the covers pull over me, over my head. I was confused. Why was, why was it too late? I turned my head and looked around the room, which didn't seem to be an odd thing, even though the covers were pulled over my face. I saw the doctor and the nurse standing by my bed. I looked around the room and noticed it was full with brighter light than before. The bed seemed huge to me. And I remember thinking, I'm like a little brown bug in this big white bed. Then the doctor walked away and I became aware of another presence nearby. I suddenly wasn't lying on the bed but found myself in someone's arms. I looked up and saw a man with a beautiful white beard looking at me. His beard fascinated me. It seemed to sparkle with a bright light, a light that came from within the beard. I giggled and ran my hands through the beard and twirled it in my fingers. I felt perfectly calm and happy with him. He gently rocked me, cradling me in his arms. 
and although I didn't know who he was, I never wanted to leave him. She's breathing again, the nurse called out, and the doctor came running back into the room. But it was a very different room. They had moved me into a smaller one that was very dark. The man with the white beard was gone. My body was wet with fever, and I was scared. The doctor turned on the light, and they took a look at me in the first room. When my parents arrived, they were told that they had almost lost me. I heard the words, but I still didn't understand them. How could I have been lost if I were there the whole time? But it was good to be with my parents again, with people who really knew me and loved me, like the man with the white beard. I asked him who that man was and where he'd gone, but they didn't understand what I was talking about. I told them about the doctor saying that it was too late and how the man with the, the white light in his beard had come and held me, but they had no answers, and they never did. This experience would be mine to cherish as an oasis of love throughout my young life. The memory has never changed, and each time I remember it, I get a sense of the calmness and happiness I had in his arms. Now she was about to have major surgery, and uh, she remembers that something went wrong in the hospital. It was supposed to be some routine, but uh, she felt the lights getting dimmer and a buzzing in her ears. And suddenly she felt herself pop out of her body. And she said from a book, her quote says, my new body was weightless and extremely mobile. And I was fascinated by my new state of being. Although I had felt pain from the surgery only moments before, I now felt no discomfort at all. I was whole in every way, perfect. And I thought, this is who I really am. She found herself where that she could travel. So she traveled and found herself at her home. She saw her husband sitting in his favorite chair reading a newspaper. And her children were happily playing on the stair. She was comforted by this scene and she uh, decided that she was going to try and travel somewhere else. So she uh, found herself weightless and she found herself back at the hospital suddenly by her body. While she was there, she was surrounded by a vortex type of a tornado of a, a dark nature that surrounded her. Turned, it kind of turned into a tunnel and she saw a speck of light. And from here, little did she know that her adventure was just to begin. We'll be right back with the rest of that story. Are you looking for a good quality used car, but don't want to pay an arm and a leg? Well, come into Rainy Used Cars. We have the largest selection in the Southeast. Whether you want a pickup or a quality SUV from mom, you'll find a variety of vehicles to choose from. We even finance. So come in today. You'll find a Rainy Used Cars located near you.
We're back with the story of Betty Eady and her near-death experience. When we left off, Betty was engulfed in a darkness, and she saw a pinprick of light in the distance. And I'm going to quote from her book now. She, saw, she says, I saw a pinpoint of light in the distance. The black mass around me began to take form in the shape of a tunnel, and I felt myself traveling through it at an even greater speed, rushing toward the light. I was instinctively attracted to it, although again I felt that others might not be. As I approached it, I noticed the figure of a man standing in it, with the light radiating around it. As I got closer to the light, it became more brilliant and brilliant beyond any description, far more brilliant than the sun. And I I knew that no earthly eyes in their natural state could look upon it without being destroyed. Only spiritual eyes could endure it, and I appreciate it. As I drew closer, I began to stand upright. I saw that the light immediately around him was golden, as if his whole body had a golden halo around it, and I could see that the golden halo burst out from around him and spread into brilliant magnificence and whiteness that extended out for some distance. I felt this light blending into mine, literally, and I felt my light being drawn to his. It was as if we were two lamps in a room, both shining, their lights merging. It's hard to tell where one light ends and the other begins. They just become one light. Although this light was much brighter than my own, I was aware that my light too eliminated us. And as our lights merged, I felt as if I stepped into his countenance and I felt an utter explosion of love. It was the most unconditional love I've ever felt. And I saw his arms open to receive me. I went to him and I received his complete embrace. And he said over and over, I'm home, I'm home, I'm finally home. I felt his enormous spirit and I knew that I had always been a part of him. That in reality, I had never been aware of before. And I knew that I was worthy to be with him, to embrace him. I knew that he was aware of all my sins and faults, but they didn't matter right now. He just wanted to hold me and share his love with me, and I wanted to share mine with him. There was no questioning who he was. I knew that he was my Savior, my friend, and God. He was Jesus Christ, who had always loved me. Even when I thought he hated me, he was life itself, love itself, and his love gave me a fullness of joy, even to overflowing. I knew that I had known him from the beginning, from long before my earth life, because my spirit remembered him. All my life I had feared him, and I now saw I knew that he was my closest friend. Gently he opened his arms and let me stand back far enough to look into his eyes. And he said, your death was premature. It's not yet your time. No words ever spoken have penetrated me 
more than these. Until then, I had felt no purpose in life. I had simply ambled along looking for love and goodness, but never really knowing if my actions were right. Now within his words, I felt a mission, a purpose. I didn't know what it was, but I knew that my life on earth had not been meaningless. It was not yet my time. My time would come when my mission was, my purpose was made, and my meaning in his life was accomplished. I had a reason for existing on earth, but even though I understood this, my spirit rebelled. Did this mean I would have to go back? I said to him, no, I, I can never leave now. He understood what I meant, and his love and acceptance for, for me never wavered. My thoughts raced on. Is this Jesus, God, the being I feared all my life? He is nothing what I had thought. He is filled with love. Then questions began coming to my mind. I wanted to know why I had died, as I had not prematurely, but how my spirit had come to him before the resurrection. I was still laboring under the teachings and beliefs of my childhood. His light now began to fill my mind, and my questions were were answered even before I fully asked them. His light was knowledge. It was power to fill me with all truth. As I gained confidence and let the light flow into me, my questions came faster than I could possibly know. And they were quickly answered. And the answers were absolute and complete. In my fears, I had misinterpreted uh, interpreted death as it had, I had expected something uh, so much different. The grave was never intended for the spirit, only for the body. I felt no judgment for having been mistaken. There was just a feeling that a simple living truth had replaced my error. I understood that he was the Son of God, though he himself was also a God, and that he had chosen from before the creation of the world to be our Savior. I understood, or rather, I remember his role as creator of the earth. His mission was to come into the world to teach love. This knowledge was more like remembering. Things were coming back to me from long before my life on earth. Things that had been purposely blocked from me by a veil of forgetfulness at my birth. She goes on to say, I was still in the presence of the Lord with the warmth of His light still bathing me. I was not aware of being any particular place of the space around us or other beings. He saw all that I saw indeed. He gave me all that I saw and understood. I remained in his light, and the questions and answers continued. The dialogue between us had actually increased in speed and breadth until it seemed that every facet of existence could be covered. My mind turned again to the laws that govern us here, and his knowledge began to pour into me. I felt a distinct happiness on his part and pleasure to share this with me. I saw that there are many laws by which we are governed. Spiritual laws, 
physical laws and universal laws, most of which have only been an inkling. These laws were created to fulfill a purpose, and all laws complement each other. When we recognize these laws and learn how to use these positive and negative forces, we will have access to power beyond comprehension. When we break one of these laws, going against that which is the natural order, we have sinned. I saw all things were created by spiritual power. Each element, each particle of creation has intelligence in it, which intelligence is filled with spirit and life, and thus has the capacity for experiencing joy. Each element is independent to act on its own, to respond to the laws and forces around it. When God speaks to these elements, they respond, and they have joy in obeying His Word. It is through the natural laws and the laws of creation that Christ created earth. I understood that by living through the laws that govern us, we will be further blessed and will receive still greater knowledge. But I also understood that breaking these laws, sinning, we weaken and possibly destroy all that have, we have achieved up to that time. There is a cause and effect relationship to sin. We're going to stop there and take a break. We'll be back right after this. When we left off, Betty was conversing with Jesus, and she goes on to she goes on to talk about this on page eight, uh, 62 in her book. This flow of understanding progressed naturally in the presence of the Savior, from point to point, each element of truth progressing inevitably into the next. After learning of the two major energy forces in the universe, both subject to the authority of God, I saw how these powers can affect us physically. Remembering that the spirit and the mind have tremendous influence on the flesh, I saw that we literally have power to affect our own health. I saw that the spirit in each of us is powerful, that it can give strength to the body to ward off illness, or, once the body is sick, to cause it to heal. The spirit has power to control the mind, and the mind controls the body. Often in reflecting on this principle, I have been reminded of the scripture, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our thoughts have exceptional power to draw on the negative or the power, power, uh, positive energies around us. Then they draw at length on the, when they draw at length on the negative, the result can be a weakening of the body's defenses. This is especially true when our negative thoughts are centered on ourselves. I understood that we are at our most self-centered state when we are depressed. Nothing can, can sap our natural strength and health as much as prolonged depression. But when we make an effort to move ourselves away from self and begin to concentrate on the needs of others and how to serve them, we begin to heal.
Service is a balm to both the spirit and the body. All healing takes place from within. Our spirits heal our body. A doctor's sure hands may perform the surgery and medicine may provide ideal circumstances for health, but it is the spirit then that affects the healing. A body without a spirit cannot be healed. I was shown that the cells of our bodies were engineered to provide life indefinitely. They were programmed in the beginning to regenerate themselves, to replace old cells that had become ineffective or damaged, so that life would not end. But something changed. It was, it was not shown exactly to me what the process was, but I understood that death had entered mortality in the Garden of Eden. I was shown that there was a garden, there was a Garden of Eden, and I was shown that decisions there created conditions that make eternal life in mortality impossible. Our bodies must die, but there is still the power within, within us using faith and positive energy to alter ourselves so that we can be healed if it is right. We must remember that God's will is always involved with healing. I was shown that many of the illnesses of my life were the result of depression or feelings of not being loved. I saw that I had often yielded to negative self-talk, such as, oh, my aches and pains, or I'm not loved, or look at my sufferings, I can't endure this anymore. Suddenly I saw me, me, me in each of these statements. I saw the extent of my self-centeredness, and I saw that not only did I claim these negativisms by calling them mine, but I opened the door and accepted them as mine. My body then lived a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. Woe is me was translated in the body as I am sick. I had never thought of this before, but now I saw how clearly I had been part of the problem. I understood that positive self-talk begins the healing process. Once we have identified the illness or problem, we need to start verbalizing it uh, for the remedy. We need to remove thoughts of illness from our minds and begin concentrating on its cure. Then we need to verbalize this cure, letting our words add to the power of our thoughts. This creates an excitement in the intelligences around us, and they then go into the motion, working to heal us. I understood that this verbalization can best be done in prayer. If it is right that we be healed, God will then assist us in the healing process. Betty then went into, she talks about going into a garden and seeing wonderful flowers and hills and grass. The grass was cool. She saw a waterfall and the water seemed to to have a life of its own. And in that garden, she goes on to speak. She says, in the garden came a group of spiritual beings. Many were wearing soft pastel gowns now, reflecting perhaps the spirit of the location as well as the occasion. They surrounded me and I felt that they were gathering to celebrate a sort of graduation party for me. I had died or graduated in their terms maybe and they were there to greet me. 
Their faces were beaming with delight, as though they were looking at a child who had just enjoyed some incredibly delicious uh, item for the first time. I realized that I remembered them all before my earth's life, and I ran to them and hugged them and kissed each one of them. My ministering, ministering angels, my dear monks, were there again, and I kissed them. As I felt each of their spirits, I realized that they were there to support me. My escorts, who continued to act as my guides, now told me that, that I had died prematurely and that this wasn't really a graduation party, but a time to show me what I would receive when I returned at the right time. They were very happy to see me and to support me, but they knew I had to go back. Then they explained to me about death. When we die, my guide said, we experience nothing more than a transition to another state. Our spirits slip from the body and move to the spiritual realm. If our deaths are traumatic, the spirit quickly leaves the body and sometimes even before death occurs. If a, a person is in an accident or a fire, for example, their spirit may be taken from their body before they experience much pain. The body can actually appear to still be alive for moments, but the spirit will already have left and be in a state of peace. At the time of death, we are given the choice to remain on this earth until our bodies are buried or we can move on, as I did, to the level which our spirits have grown. I understood that there are many levels of development and we, are, we will always go to the level that we're most comfortable. Most spirits choose to remain on earth for a short time and comfort their loved ones. Families are subject to much more grief than the, the departed one. Sometimes the spirits will remain longer if the loved, one, loved ones are in deep despair. They remain to help the loved one's spirits heal. I also was told that our prayers can benefit both spiritual beings as well as persons on earth. If there is a reason to fear for a departed person's spirit, if there is a reason to believe their transition may be difficult or unwanted, we can pray for them and enlist spiritual help. They told me that, that it is important for us to acquire knowledge of the spirit while we are in the flesh. The more knowledge we acquire here, the further and faster we will progress there. Because of lack of knowledge or belief, some spirits are virtually prisoners of this earth. Some who die as atheists or those who, are, who have bonded to the world through greed, bodily appetites, or other earthly, earthly commitments find it difficult to move on, and they become earthbound. They often lack the faith and the power to reach for or, in some cases, even recognize the energy and light that pulls us toward God. These spirits stay on the earth until they learn to accept the greater power around them and to let go of the world. When I was in the black mass before moving towards the light, I felt the presence of such lingering spirits. They reside there as long as they want, uh, in, a, in, in that love and warmth, accepting its healing influence. But eventually, they learn to move on and accept the greater warmth and security of God. Of all knowledge, however, 
There is none more essential than knowing Jesus Christ. I was told that He is the door through which we all will return. He is the only door through which we can return. Whether we learn of Jesus Christ here or while in the Spirit, we must eventually accept Him and surrender to His love. My friends in the garden were full of love as they stood there around me and they realized that I didn't want to go back, that I wanted to see more. In their desire to please me, they showed me more. Betty goes on to talk about many other things in her book and she, we will talk more about her experiences when we come right back. back. Betty went on to experience many more things that I didn't cover here in her book, and I encourage you to get her book, Embraced by the Light, by Betty J. Eady. Betty's extraordinary experiences has led her to television experiences in the United States and Japan, and her participation in a University of Near-Death Studies program. She's talked to many groups, including many church groups. If you like this episode, we encourage you to hit the like button, and we really would like you to subscribe so that you'll be notified of other, other future upcoming episodes, and as always, we welcome your comments. We'd like to thank you for listening today, and we hope you'd share this episode with your friends. So until next time, for Watchmen on the Wall, so long.